The first known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentlemen golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Well, of course, old Tom Morris would go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast if he wanted information about the rules of golf and uh, how the byplay between the rules of golf, the PGA Tour, the Ladies Tour all work in sync and provide us the information that allows us to talk to you every week about the rules of golf. Once again, Roscoe here, your co-host, amiably joined by a man in some, oh, he's adorned in some fine, I'm, watch, I'm looking at him on the Zoom screen here and he's adorned in some fine apparel. He's got a logo jumper on, a logo hat on, he's he's corporatized he's merchandised up blakey how are you yeah going well roscoe uh need to apologize firstly to our listeners that we didn't get an episode out last week i've just been fairly busy on the home front actually on the home front oh, you had some travel in there didn't you did you not you've got a little bit of did you do some uh, golf related travel blakey uh yeah actually had a couple of trips last week uh henry peters from under the card and i went to the Alpine region of Victoria. So we went to Myrtleford Golf Club, Bright Golf Club and Mount Beauty Golf Club and um, did some did some filming there, some content creation, um, as including rules of golf uh, stuff. So that was fantastic. And then on the weekend, just gone, uh, I had a trip with uh, a few of my friends. There was about eight of us. Um, and then we went and played golf on Saturday in an Ambrose competition, two teams of four against each other, pitted against each other with some uh, beginner golfers in there. And, um, yeah, it was it was a fantastic time. It was We called it a golf trip, but it was probably less about the golf and more about just uh, drinking, eating, and uh, catching up with one another. Where did you play? Where was that trip to? Uh, yeah, so we... That trip was Nianga Park, so we went and stayed in Bendigo. Um, it's about an hour and a half north of Melbourne. Went and stayed there and played Nianga Park on the Saturday. And then uh, whilst everyone else or five, five of the guys went home on the Sunday uh, around lunchtime, uh, three of us went and played Castle Main Golf Club on the Sunday uh, after having uh, brunch at Dust Coffee House in Castlemaine, bit of a German restaurant or themed restaurant there. Called Das Coffee House. Yeah. Coffee or cafe? Uh, cafe, sorry. Das Coffee House. House. Das Coffee House. The coffee house in England, obviously clearly translated. Uh, well, that sounds like a nice little uh, venture into, you know, continuing the, I guess the, uh, what was our, what was our commitment level to the country courses of Victoria? What did we say that we would get to? How many follow, How many followers on the YouTube did you say you would, uh, subscribers, sorry, did you say you would get to? Uh, I think I said 5,000, didn't I? Jeepers. You Surpassed that. Well, I'm eight and a half thousand now. What was Tasmania? Uh, what was the Tasmania? Uh, ten thousand for Tassie. Okay, ten thousand was Tassie. Okay, so so you've made the commitment and you're continuing the commitment to Country Vic. You know, I, I've started that and you you followed on, so that's very good. And uh, the next level is is Tassie. Ten thousand for Tassie and twenty thousand for New Zealand. Actually, speaking of Tassie, uh, our good friend Stuart is actually playing at Barnbogle and. Lost Farm and the new one, um, 
this week. He's he's playing about 100 holes, 108 holes or whatever it is, whatever it adds up to uh, this week with a group of his friends. So uh, he sent me a couple of photos yesterday. They looked, uh, the, golf, uh, the weather was looking a lot better than it was in Melbourne, I'll tell you that. Well, it is so busy down there. Let me tell you, I, I just met with um, John Parrott from Air Adventure this morning and we were talking about how busy yeah, that little business is in terms of flying people down to Bamboogle and also Cape Wickham. Uh, you know, I was down there because that was a bit of a thing for us the other week. We talked about that, that I had to go to Tasmania before doing it with you. You know, every man in the dog. So have you been to King Island as well? Yeah, years ago, a few years ago now. I did that um, once again with Air Adventure, uh, went in a commercial jet type thing that flies above and around the air. The, um, fly, it can fly in the, the weather, which, you know, Bass Strait, known for weather uh air adventure planes are fully pressurized so they can go up and above and around the weather um as opposed to getting affected by weather uh really really was a comfortable journey but king island is that's that's part of tasmania blakey so that could be on the ten thousand youtube subscriber uh, hit list so i see uh kate wickham's 21 in the world um where would you place ocean dunes if kate wickham is 21st this is an interesting question which i get asked a lot when i get asked to reflect on uh, that King Island experience because I really enjoyed Ocean Dunes. I'd need to go back. I, ne- I definitely need to go back to you know follow up on some of my commitments with uh, Golf Australia magazine, their top 100 sort of panelist list that I'm a part of. But um, I need to go back. So that's why I'm sort of so pressing on you getting to 10,000 so we can jump on that. And I've got a legitimate sort of you know, commitment excuse to go to. So I want to go and see Ocean Dunes again because I really enjoyed it. Now, I think the fact that I really enjoyed it was born by the fact that I played pretty well there that day. I think I might have bogeyed the last by three putting for like one or two over, which was pretty good given the conditions. I, I For me, it just reminded me of being deep in some of the Irish Lynx courses that I've played. I did like Kate Wickham. Um, there was something about the day on Kate Wickham that, that sort of threw me off a little bit. Maybe it was, I don't know who I was playing with or something like that. You know, the, I think the boys I was playing with were we were only really there to get drunk and I was there to sort of enjoy the, the course. So um, that th- sort of threw me a bit. I did enjoy it. Like, they're both magnificent courses. But I want to go back and just, you know, I think the majority of people that I speak to clearly rate Kate Wickham well in excess of Ocean Dunes and the, and the various sort of commentary that you see around it would do the same. I just know that I really enjoyed um, Ocean Dunes. As I did, you know, talking about Bamboogle for a second, continuing that, as I did uh, Lost Farm, you know, I played – one one of the you know we played forty holes in that day, the first round which was the second round of that trip I played Lost Farm and, and probably had a couple over you know Eagle, the ninth and had the first birdie of the trip amongst the the boys and yeah you know, I played pretty well, the majority of it and but I probably prefer Dunes you know that is that is more my sort of you know fun I probably wouldn't want to play there every day every week or as a member but you know as a golf experience you know Bamboogle Dunes for me is you know you can put that course in any part of the British Isles. You know, whether you, what you fancy is West Coast Scotland, West Coast Island, whatever, and you know it it'd fit right in amongst the top echelon there, absolutely. So I, I was looking at the you mentioned the Golf Australia magazine list. I was looking at the Golf Digest list, Golf Digest list, yep. and it had Tara Edie as number two, and they they were thinking that it may get to number one next year, beating uh, taking down count, Royal County Downs. So, you know, if we go to New Zealand, we definitely want to try and um, get to Tara Edie. I mean, there's a few courses in New Zealand on the list. Uh, Kate Kidnappers, Carrie Cliffs, uh, Kinlock. Uh, have you uh, ever played at Kinlock? I've never I've never played golf in New Zealand. My brother has. No. Uh, he went as a junior to play on this um, 
uh, some level of organised event and activity exchange type program between Australia and New Zealand. I never played. Um, I went. I've been to Queenstown twice, and you know, you could take me back there any day. It's sort of like up there with Lahinch. I sort of jokingly, not jokingly, I seriously say to Lahinch or about Lahinch, people say, "Where would you go tomorrow to play golf?" And I say, "Just drop me at Lahinch and leave me there for forever, and I'll be very happy." And, you know, Queenstown and that area of Otago, you know, your homeland. Uh, that's that is your heartland. Yeah, you know, that's where your, you know, that's close to you. That that's beautiful. I love it. I could go there tomorrow. And yeah, stay for a very yeah. long time. Maybe not forever, but I could stay for a very long time, Blakey. I, uh, I used to go to school in Wanaka. So I was at uh, one year, I think it was my last year of school, I played at Wanaka Golf Club. I was there over 300 days of that year. So um, you can tell that I didn't really do too well at school. What a town, Wanaka. Oh. Yeah, amazing. It's not for this podcast because we need to get into the golf rules, but you know, I was there when we launched the Infinity Car brand and we took the cars to New Zealand um, because we didn't have approval to run them in Australia through our ADR laws. And um, I hope you enjoy this. If you, I'm going to tell the story anyway. But I was in Wanaka, uh, in Queenstown for a week and we were basically driving uh, Infinity you know, luxury Japanese vehicles from Queenstown across the Crown Range to Wanaka through the snow. It was winter, but it was, the roads were, were passable down to Wanaka, down through Cromwell, back through Cromwell, back up to Wanaka. There's a, a restaurant uh, and a winery there. As you get into Wanaka from the Crown Range, you turn left. There's a big hotel and a complex. And a little bit further on, there's another really nice um, sort of restaurant which we had access to looking out over Wanaka Bay out to Treble Cone. And after that, um, a helicopter would come in. This is how you launch cars, Blakey. You don't do it by halves. Um, three helicopters would come in and land there on the on the thing, pick us up, and then fly us out over the mountains past Treble Cone to um, Paradise, which is the other side of Queenstown, up the other end of Lake Wakatipu. And um, we would drive the cars back to uh, back to Queenstown. Did that for a was week. That, Did that for a week, Blakey. It was tough. Was that Glenorchy? Because I think they've got a golf course there too. Didn't play. Didn't. Yeah. That. Well, Paradise is just past Glenorchy. It's basically at the end of the road where the glacial flow comes into the top end of Lake Wakatipu there. Um, you know, those typical sort of glacial sort of re- uh, creeks that you see with the, the white shaley rocks, you know. And the, we went, literally just parked the helicopters in, in the cow paddocks and uh, and jumped into the cars, which is essentially the end of that road, and just drove them back. That's actually, uh, I went on a school camp there, so I know exactly where you are. Well, it's where they filmed uh, you Middle know, Earth. Yeah, in the in the forest there, the Lord of the Rings type stuff there. Um, you know, if you walk through there, you can see the scenes that. Uh, so take me back there any day, Blakey. So ten, is that ten thousand? Is that a is that a hit? Twenty is it twenty thousand? Uh, twenty thousand for New Zealand. But uh, you know, we're probably going to lose a few listeners if we keep um, blabbing on about playing golf instead of golf rules. Yeah, but if you're a tourism New Zealand or golf New Zealand or whatever it is that whoever runs it uh, and you listen to it, you know, we're doing a fair 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 promotional job here for uh, New Zealand. So just jump on and subscribe to Blakey's YouTube thing and help us get across there with these, you know, handy cam and a Bluetooth mic and well, see how we go. I got a new, uh, I got a new phone slash the best camera on the market. Um, the Samsung galaxy ultra five G thing. That's basically exactly the same as yours. And, uh, it's pretty amazing. Like I was zooming in on the moon the other day. You could, I could actually see the guy up there walking around. Playing golf, Neil Armstrong still up there having a chip and putt. Uh, now we're getting silly. One point two k's. Blakey, I can't wait to get to New Zealand. Um, I might have to negotiate Tasmania going again. Would be an easier negotiation with Mrs. My Love of Golf uh, to get that New Zealand. She might have to come with us, Blakey. Oh, she's well. She's welcome to. Yeah, is is there a spare spare room at uh, the 
Blakedom, Chateau Blake. Yeah, they were thinking about downgrading me to a, uh, a smaller place, but I said, no, 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 just, uh, just hold on to that four-bedroom um, house for a, a little while longer. Dunedin, what a beautiful town. Small Edinburgh, Dunedin. Darren Geraldine, but uh, yeah, it's not too far away. How far is Geraldine outside of Dunedin? Uh, three and a half hours. Oh, really? Oh, so right, so it's a, up towards Christchurch. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. I didn't go that far up. Okay, well, we've uh, relived some travel exponanzas. Uh, ex- exponanzas. Uh, there's an over there. Someone will pick us up on that. Uh, but um, there you go. Thanks for joining us for 13 minutes in about talking about New Zealand. We want to get to New Zealand, so jump onto the YouTube thing and subscribe. Now, last week's golf rules question of the week. It was a fairly simple one, but I'm sure it caught a few people out, Blakey. Is there a penalty and how many uh, strokes if you search for your ball for five minutes and can't find it? Is there a penalty and how many if you search for your ball for five minutes and can't find it. Have to get yeah, so obviously, get obviously there's a penalty uh, under Rule 18.2 for not finding your ball. Um, so you're going to have to go back to your previous place played and put another one into play. Uh, so there's one stroke penalty. And then because you've uh, unreasonably delayed play, uh, you're going to get another one stroke penalty under Rule 5.6. So you're going to... Say if it was your tee shot, uh, now you'll be hitting your fourth. Um, you know, it's, that's basically the answer. Uh, people go, oh, well, no one's going to put in that one-stroke penalty for unreasonable unreasonable delay. Well, you know, when it gets to three minutes, it doesn't matter if you find your ball or not. It's it's lost, so you've got to go back to your previous place play. So that would include what happens then. So you've looked for three minutes. You're on the way back to the tee. And then someone says, hey, it's up here. I've found it. Too late. Yeah, too late. Mm. It's a similar situation to if you're looking in and around a penalty area and you've got 95, at least 95% virtual certainty that it's in the penalty area, you're just trying to find it so that you might be able to play it and save save a shot. But then you go, okay, I'm not going to – it's three minutes. I'm not going to find it. You drop your ball and then they find it outside the penalty area, well, it doesn't matter because you already had at least 95% virtual certainty that your ball was in the penalty area, so you are permitted to proceed under Rule 17.1. So, uh, yeah, it doesn't matter if you found it after that. How many times do you reckon in a just normal sort of everyday club comp in that situation that I've articulated there that people would go back and play their ball? 70%. I reckon 70% would do the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I reckon I might have seen sort of that thing uh, happen in the past and, you know, you get into that awkward situation. Well, I think it was for more than three minutes, but, you, yeah, anyway, it's three minutes, guys. There you go. Now, we've got some videos to play. Uh, we've got some videos, one of you, and then we've got some videos from some recent tour events, correct? Yeah, that's right. So let's go to the, the video of you first. Now, I'll just set it up. So Blakey changes from right hands and gains uh, free relief. We'll play it and then you can come back and give us a commentary on that, right? Go for it. What about if, oh, that's good. I can play it like this, but you know, I was gonna play it left-handed, so is this reasonable? Well, it is reasonable because playing left-handed wasn't actually a shot that I could actually play, and and playing right-handed actually works a lot better. So now I have interference from this cart path in which I can take free relief. So I'm just gonna work out my nearest point of relief. 
so where I'm not standing on the path. Now, I've got this tree in my way, so it's a little bit difficult, but let's say, because I'm not getting relief from the tree, it's just from the path. Interesting situation that you had yourself in there. So changes to right-handed. What, what, did you approach that video as if you were a left-handed golfer, yeah? Yes, but on. I approached the ball with a left-handed club showing that I was a left-handed player and then I uh, worked out that that was not actually a great way to play it and uh, I had a right-handed club in my bag and that was going to be an easier way to play it. Then had interference from the immovable obstruction, the cart path. Now, it's just a little snippet and you can go over to YouTube um, and check it out. Now, it's a good video. Henry and I filmed it at uh, Box Hill Golf Club and it's a similar one to one that I filmed a couple of years ago with Marcella from Girlfriend's Guide to Golf. In that one, we showed what an unreasonable stroke is. And even if you changed to left-handed or right-handed or made your uh, stance wider or, or whatever, uh, you, weren't, uh, you weren't going to get uh, free relief because it would have been an unreasonable stroke. Whereas this one, it is a reasonable stroke. And then you're taking relief from the car path, not from the difficult situation of the tree. Um, but luckily, I was able to drop it, and then I could decide whether I was going to play right-handed or left-handed once I'd put the ball back into play. So you could get then relief on the other side of the tree if you look at the video and then play it left-handed, yeah, in this that yeah, example? Yeah, spot on. I, I could have played it right-handed, left-handed. I could have changed clubs. Um, I'd gotten my ball uh, away from the condition that I was taking the free relief from, and, uh, and the ball was back in play. If you don't have a right-handed club, if you're a left-hander and don't have a right-handed club or you know, vice versa, if it was a sort of reverse situation and you've got the ability to flip the club and play it that way? Yeah, absolutely. And in the other video that I described with Marcella, uh, I actually state, you know, it can depend on your skill level. Like if, you know, if uh, you flipped your club uh, and decided to try and play left-handed, I would say personally that you could probably... 80%, 85% of the time, at least get bat on ball. Mm. Uh, whereas maybe a 40 handicapper never tried that shot, are they going to be able to do it first thing? Probably not. Yeah, right. Interesting. Can you play the left-handed, if I went left-handed, could I play it with the back of my club? Yeah, absolutely. There you go. You just got to hit it with the club head not the shaft or the grip. Yep. Okay, so you could... So who decides if you don't have the skill efficacy to you know, permit the taking of relief under that situation? Well, number one, you as a player need to decide. Mm-hmm. And then number two, your marker has to also agree with that uh, because they're signing a scorecard. The opponent in a match play situation could disagree and could claim the hole if you played from a wrong, you take relief and played from a wrong place. Uh, but in just keeping it to stroke play, yeah, the marker would have to be in agreement that you, uh, that was a reasonable stroke for you. If they get a referee in, then the referee also has to make that decision and they're probably going to be less lenient. Uh, but we did see one a few months back with Nick Taylor from Canada. Um, he was able to ask the referee, and the referee was very lenient in giving him uh, relief for possible left-handed stroke. Uh, Nick is right-handed. 
It's sort of like the three-minute scenario before, you know, where you're walking back and you know that it's past three minutes and someone said, mate, I found your ball, and you trot back up there. You know, you know, you know that it's not right and you shouldn't be doing it. Same here. If you know that you're not going to, you know, be able to commit that shot effectively with the opposite side, you, know, you shouldn't really be taking, you know, getting access to the free relief. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, golf is uh, quite subjective. It's all about your intentions, honesty, and, and integrity. You know, I get a lot of comments on YouTube, and, and we talked about this last week, so I don't want to harp on about it, but I get a lot of comments about, you know, I don't worry about the rules. I'm, I'm just there to have fun. Well, some people um, enjoy the rules and playing by the rules because that is the game of golf. Uh, that is the standards that we set for ourselves. And the fun is trying to play by the same set of standards each time you play and beat your personal best or even just beat the uh, opponent or uh, your other players in, in a um, kind of have a, have a bit of a bet or something like that, side bet. Okay, well, let's move on to the next uh, video. We've got Patrick Cantlay involved in here and uh, once again, another scenario that we've uh, spoken about before, but let's play this video and, and just see what happens as opposed to as out of this one. The Garcia. Yeah, Patrick Cantlay is definitely away. It looks like Sergio's going to go first here. Surely not. That would be surprising to yeah. me. Patrick, yeah, I agree with you guys, but Patrick, like he's definitely ready to go. Patrick's got a 90-footer. Yeah, I would definitely be wanting Patrick to putt, get another look at the speed of the greens, a little extra time to get the read. I think they might be asking for the green to get blown off. Oh, got you. That could be why the wait. Yeah, a lot of pine needles on this 13th green. We used to... We at uh, Wentworth, we used to get that at the end of the season, world match play. You get a lot of pine needles and you had to rake a path almost all the way up to the hole. Well, there you go. You can see what was happening there if you look at the video on YouTube. But you know, essentially, a lot of pine needles, as you can hear Sir Nick uh, talking about. And, you know, not wanting to waste too much time by uh, Cantlay getting them rid of him himself he said can you get someone in here with a blower to blow it off because he thought that's going to be quicker so um yeah this goes back uh you know like as when i was growing up playing golf you know you couldn't touch your line you couldn't do anything you couldn't you know you could pick loose impediments off but um you certainly couldn't grab your towel or your hat or anything and and, and use it to brush uh you know brush the line down but you you, you can now so you want to elaborate on that uh blakey yeah so with loose impediments, you obviously can move them anywhere on the golf course and in, with any means uh, necessary, necessarily, but uh, you're not able to unreasonably delay your play. So you couldn't bring in a massive fan and plug it in and if that takes you know, 10, 15 minutes to set up. And don't improve your conditions, um, so pressing down or um, especially on your line of play if it's outside what we... Um, permit to be repaired, uh, the damage that we permit to be repaired. And you also have to be careful around your ball. Obviously, on the putting green, if you cause your ball to move and moving loose impediments, that's okay. But uh, if it was on the fairway or rough or whatever, um, if you cause move, loose impediments to move, um, when you uh, cause your ball to move when you've moved loose impediments, uh, then you're going to get a one shot penalty and need to replace your ball. Now, uh, Patrick is probably one of the slowest players on the tour. Um, the the South African commentator was that I get this wrong is that Trevor or Mark uh, Immelman anyway if, if it was Trevor he's uh, Trevor is certainly one of the slowest that was ever uh, out there to play the game um, so you know you, you can hear him say oh, I'd be wanting another read and 
and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, whatever it takes but to, to play a bit slower. But um, it's quite interesting because that group, uh, I think I heard later on in the broadcast, that group was a little bit behind, a little bit out of position. And one of the tactics that um, some players can use is to try and get the referee or the committee involved to slow the group down even further and then just blame the committee or the referee. Oh, you know, we, we had a ruling over there that was at least three minutes. Um, I've heard players say that when it was about a 30-second ruling. Um, certainly, you know, in Patrick's in Patrick's defence, there was a lot of male pine cones on the green, so there was a lot of uh, uh, loose and pattern rubbish around. Uh, but, you know, Sergio went and moved it with his towel, whereas Patrick wasn't happy to do that. He wanted to get the committee in and, and someone to blow the green. Uh, so when, then, does it, when does it become not, you know, unduly delaying play? Uh, well, in that situation, the committee would allow the players to wait for the green, or the maintenance staff to get in and blow the green because they, they know that there's such a big mess. But if you're waiting for one male pine cone to be moved when you could easily go and move it yourself, then that would be an un- unreasonable delay in play. But if you go and see the video, there is a lot of debris on the goal, on the green, on Patrick's line, certainly on Sergio's line, but he was happy to move it off the towel. Uh, but that's why the committee were happy to, to get the blower out. And, you know, at Harbour Town, it probably happens quite a lot since uh, their fairways and greens and, and whatnot are very much shaped uh, by trees. Did you say male pine cone? Yeah, I looked it up. It's ma- The small ones are the male pine cones. So there's a male and a female? Yeah. Well, there you go. You learn something new every day right here on Golf Rules Questions. Um, okay. Did we cover that off then? Uh, yeah. So uh, you can ask the committee basically to uh, get rid of the debris on the green, but what, yeah. what what would you suggest now for the everyday golfers if they have you know some sand from sanding or some debris you know, that they that is vast you know more than you can pick up with your fingers and shoo away back of the hand using your towel is okay you know using your back of your hat that sort of thing is that that's all okay yeah using a towel is probably the easiest yep. um, hat probably fine back of the hand um, front of the hand whatever is easiest but uh, I'd just say live with it. Right. Make make a stroke and uh, and live with it. You never know; it might pop in off one of them. So yeah, I, I sometimes go with that theory on ball markers too. Do you want me to move it, mate? So it's got as much chance of hitting it and going in than it has hitting it and going out. So I'll roll the fifty fifty now. And just to sort of on that whole touching the you know, moving stuff, you know, like obviously you're allowed to repair damage to the green um, spike marks now included, which never used to be divots always. Um, Plug marks, sorry, have always been able to be repaired, but now spike marks. Some of the players on the PGA Tour have sort of copped a bit of heat, you know, by over-effusively patting down spike marks that may have otherwise been construed as maybe creating a channel. Um, don't do that. Don't don't over-effusively pat down spike marks. You know, when you get towards a hole, just pat them down very softly, make sure they go away. But don't get uh, over-effusive because, you know, you don't want to be someone thinking you're making a little impression that your ball's going to sort of catch a, you know, catch a funnel type thing. So, um, you know, you've heard that. Don't do that. Um, good advice, Blakey, or not? Great advice. Don't make a path either. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so who have we got next? We've got uh, Colin Morikawa. Okay, so Colin's been uh, in the sand playing some uh, sandcastles. Let's have a listen to the one with Colin. You see the practice swings. That is not a designated bunker there left of the screen. Nope, that's considered the general area. You can practice swings, remove pretty much everything you want. Just don't 
make the golf ball go in a different place. Yeah, some of them are hard to determine, isn't it? You've got to look for a rate most of the time. They are, that's right. Okay. This is one that I come up uh, with, uh, and not against, but, um, you know, have to imp- imply in uh, in my uh, weekly regular golf play down at uh, Peninsula Kingswood and, and many of the courses now that have sand or wastelands um, in their modern design. Uh, what was happening there with Colin Morikawa? Yeah, you, Peninsula Kingswood has a lot of sandy wastelands and, you know, when we uh, when I move offices to Sandringham, they've got a few sandy wastelands. So you're not permitted to touch the sand uh, in a bunker that your ball was in when practising. Uh, in your backswing or immediately in front of or right behind uh, where the ball's at rest. However, you are permitted to practice in another bunker, uh, including touching the sand, provided you don't improve your conditions. And you're also permitted to practice in a sandy wasteland or sandy area that is in the general area of the course. So uh, I left the commenta- uh, commentators um, chat in there and they were just talking about this being a uh, sandy wasteland, not a bunker. Uh, how do you determine whether it's a bunker or a sandy wasteland? Uh, it's as simple as what Frank Noblo said. Is there a rake there or not? How, does it look like it's a prepared area of sand or not? Um, you know, it, it would be unlucky if you didn't see a rake and then someone had stolen it, but you'd probably... You'd, uh, Treated that bunker as a uh, yeah, treated that bunker as a sandy wasteland, but let's not get into that situation. It's interesting at the moment, yeah, Peninsula Kingswood, because there's no rakes. You know, in golf, oh, yes. got, well, golf Australia is still saying in Victoria, you know, have no rakes. Um, we haven't had rakes, so a lot of guests, uh, you know, when there are rakes, you know, they still ask because you know it's sometimes hard to differentiate between some of the larger bunkers and, and the wastelands. It just makes sense to ask, you know, ask the member, ask someone that you're with, is this a wasteland or is it a bunker? It's pretty easy for for me to be able to ter- determine it and say. But when there's no rakes, you just have to you know seek a, a bit of advice from someone who might be um, you know a little bit more informed uh, than you if you're not a member or you don't play at that course regularly. But interestingly, we've been playing. Uh, preferred lies in the bunkers since you know the COVID time so there's been no rakes we've been able to you know lift in place and um, that's been interesting Uh, and also we were allowed to up until very recently lift in place in the sandy wastelands as well because you know they weren't maintaining those um, to the level of diligence but now they are so they're back in play as in off the deck and um, but the bunkers until until you know your mob let us have flags out and um you know, rakes back in, um, you know, it's still preferring in the bunker, which, you know, was in place for Division One pennant final on the weekend. Yeah, interesting. Uh, not necessarily our mob. Um, <laughs> it's the Vic government that is uh, you blokes. quite blind to the situation of the golf from Victoria. And annoyingly enough, well, yeah, annoyingly enough, they haven't really made any further announcement on it. Um to, towards that, I mean, I've played golf in the last six weeks at many regional courses, and bunkers are back, flag sticks can be touched. So they're just disregarding the uh, the information that's been yeah. provided to them by the the government health department. Yep. So there we go. Wastelands can touch the ground in a, making practice swings. Um, you know, can ground your club. Obviously, don't do a steam shovel coocher and you know dig a trench around it um but yeah you can do that you can even walk your buggy through that you know uh, obviously you don't want to unduly make 
mess that's going to you know impede your fellow golfer if you're going to walk a buggy through and it's going to leave big tracks there that he's going to get into that sort of thing you wouldn't want to do that but you know if it's direct and you're going to get and it's hard pan you can you can do that um well i I did get a question from one of the youtube listeners uh or youtube viewers uh so if there's no bunk if there's no rake do they just leave it and then another player ends up in that uh, footprint I said, yeah, basically. Um, you can see if you go to the YouTube video and see Collins, um, there's some overhead shots um, either before Collins' balls in there or after. And, you know, someone's tried to smooth out the area. The previous player or the caddy has tried to smooth out the area with their feet. Um, but that's just that's just unlucky. If you land in there where a previous player had been, uh, then yeah, you, you get what uh, you get where you get. Uh, personally, I would, all, if I've made a you know mess in there by trying to you know just set my stance or whatever, or if have taken a buggy or done something like that, you know, I will try and just make it repair it to it's at least better than when it's never going to be as good as when I've probably got there if it's a good surface. But I'm going to leave it, try and leave it better than what I've made it. So. You know, that's just part of the etiquette that I sort of run by. If I've left a few big divots there, I'll just try and smooth them out and just try and make it, yeah, if someone hopefully doesn't get in there. That's what I do. Blakey? Yep, sounds good. Okay, so the next one we have, we've got two more to go, so stick with us. We're 37 minutes in, a couple more to go. One involving our very own, Australia's very own Mark Leishman. I think that was um, from Zurich the other week, um, which they obviously went on to win. Congratulations to Cam Smith and Mark Leishman. You find that little video here, uh, Blakey. It must be this one here. And uh, so what do we got here? That was about his drop. So really um, down the stretch, it was like the, what was it? Remind me, 16th, 17th hole thereabouts? 16th. Yeah, so tournament on the line and they've uh, binned one in the water. So let's just see what happens. Thank you. And they're just ascertaining exactly, Dottie, where that ball entered the penalty area. Yeah, looking at the tape, it was um, across the, the red line near the sprinkler head. Straight across. Well, Craig? Yeah. One more look. Yeah, really, you can see the, the dark spot of that sprinkler head by the green, and it come kind of down, diagonally down there. It crosses the line. So I think I saw a T-peg in there. I think they've, they've found the spot. And it makes a difference, too, that extra, because it stays above the red line right there. I thought that would be a low one and just let it feed all the way down. Yeah, that's one where you almost kind of chip with the nine iron so it doesn't get caught riding up the face of the wedge. Don't have to swing so hard either. They're doing all the right things here, two club lengths. They have that relief area, the way the rule is written now. The relief area is like a windscreen wiper. Drop it knee high. Two drops where the ball landed, place it. Wow, we can't appreciate how steep that is. He goes to his nearest point, it will sit still. 
Okay, so you can see there that uh, yeah, Mark uh, marks his ball, uh, marks the point where it entered, the point of entry. Then he marks out the two club links, and then you know he's struggling to get purchase, you know, or place the ball because it dropped it twice. His caddy picks it up, for, for save a golf ball. Not that he needs to save a golf ball, and then he goes to to place it, and he's just sort of fiddling around with placing it in a place where it's not going to roll off. So, you know, what what else happened around that? Because there's a little bit of discussion around that, if I believe correct, uh, Blakey. Yeah, so a few people weren't happy with Mark's drop. Uh, they think that it he dropped actually uh, nearer the hole, um, and then he was playing around with uh, with his ball. To me, it looked like a he you know he got out the driver and was actually really trying to um, determine his relief area correctly. Um, the caddy said, "Oh, you probably got a little bit more," so. He, He'd moved the tee peg up a little bit. Now, once he'd established the relief area, he told the caddy to go and stand in the penalty area um, and stop the ball when it rolled down. And he and he specifically said once it gets over across the line. Um, so drops it, rolls, caddy grabs it, drops it, rolls, caddy grabs it um, when it's back in the penalty area because you've got to re-drop it. Now, if, he, if the caddy had dropped it before it got to the penalty area, because it was so likely that it was going to go in the penalty area, there wouldn't be a penalty for that. I mean, if there was a more likelihood that Paul would have stayed in the relief area, um, then there could have been a penalty if the caddy dropped, uh, grabbed it early. Uh, then he's, so he's, then he's tried to place it, and he's placed it, and it's come to rest, and then he sort of mentions to the caddy, I think that's closer, um, and sort of the angle that he was um, positioned on and trying to, put the ball, he thinks that it was closer than where it had actually first hit the ground when it, on the redrop. Then he flicks himself around and then he places it and the ball looks to be still moving. So he grabs it again because um, he hasn't placed it at rest and he's just fiddling around now trying to find the nearest point where it will come to rest from that spot uh, where uh, it had first hit the ground. So to me, it looked like he did everything right. Um, if you see an overshot of where he ended up playing or dropping um, to his last point of entry, the point on the last edge cross and the flag, it does look like he is a little bit closer, uh, but it is hard to see with the slope. But I'm happy with how he went about it. He could have called in a referee, but it's you know it's not his style, Mark's style to call in a referee. He thinks he's he's done properly. He has no issue with it. Um, so you know, good on him that he he was able to get it done without getting a referee involved. And uh, it's an estimate and best estimate of where the last point, the last edge crossed to the point on the last edge crossed is, and then it's est- estimate of not being nearer to the hole. Uh, you know, the relief area itself, you can work out with the two club links. Um, that's almost pre- that, that's pretty accurate. But the, the being closer to the hole or not, that's an estimate. I mean, you cannot never be absolutely certain on that. And it doesn't look like uh, Mark tried to flirt um, or flout the rules there. Well, he had the support of the Ultimate Rules Committee on the PGA Tour. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't bring it up afterwards or say anything, so they were happy with it. No, we know who the, the ultimate rules committee are. Dottie Pepper and Sir Nick Valdo. Oh. <laughs> they're, 
They're, they're the ones that make the calls, Blakey, don't you? <laughs> Come on. And yeah, they said right. it looks like he's doing everything. And, and Craig Perks, uh, um, they said he's... Whoa, 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 whoa. Wasn't it Craig Perks? It was Frank Nobler. Frank Nobler. Sorry, sorry. I thought she said Craig there, Craig. Yeah, she said Craig. There's a great point, actually. She said Craig Winter. Oh, was, right. uh One of the highest rules gurus in the world um, works for the USGA and he was there um, doing the TV coverage with them. So they got Craig Winter in to just explain the whole process uh, and you can go and hear what he has to say on the, the YouTube video. My mistake, I didn't clearly listen hard enough myself that uh, I confused Frank Noblo with Craig Perks. I've I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't know if Golf New Zealand will be that happy with us if he keeps saying that kind of stuff. Is he? Has Frank Noblo been not knighted yet? Is he Sir Frank Noblo yet? He should be. Should be. One of New Zealand's greatest ever golfers. And uh, Although you'd, you'd probably give it to Michael Campbell first. Yeah, well, he's uh, an open, uh, a major winner. Cambo. What a player he was. Let's, uh, let's not go yeah. down talking about Cambo. Good, good bloke, too. You know Cambo? Uh, I met him on the European Tour a couple of years ago. Yeah. Uh, funnily enough, my cousin was doing a little bit of work in his uh, academy down there in the, in the um, south of Spain. Spain. Yeah, in the south of Spain. My cousin lives in Gibraltar, and she was a, a, reason, a reasonable golfer and involved in golf and golf administration. She was working alongside Cambo a long time ago now, but um, there you go. I've always had a soft spot for Cambo. I liked his, I liked his style. Um, but Frank Noblo, have you ever had a drop of Noblo wines? No, I haven't. He still, is he still you know, dabbling in a bit of winemanship? Oh, is that his? I didn't. I thought it was some persons in Australia that had no connection with. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that Frank Noblo was. I could be wrong. I, I should be the wine, the wine knowledgeable one out of us, with a father that's 48 years in the wine industry in Australia. But I think Frank Noblo sort of followed the shark's path. But no, it could be wrong. Um, anyway, let's move on. Back to a probably New Zealand's real finest golfer of the moment of the current genre. Best golfer ever. Best, best golf forever from New Zealand. There we go. That's a that's a bold claim, but I think it's fairly easy to substantiate. Uh, Lydia Ko. So Lydia Ko was involved in a little bit of a um, situation with uh, Australia's very own Hannah Green. Unfortunately, Hannah Green did not go on to win the tournament at the uh, Santosa HSBC Women's World Championship last weekend. She could have, should have, probably should have, could have, would have, but didn't. Uh, but anyway, let's have a listen to what happened for between Lids and uh, Hannah. Remember, MB is in trouble on 16. And that's the way to close the gap. The final hole, second shot in for the world number seven. She likes it, she's staring it down. She loves it. It's a silly game, isn't it? Goodness me, what a way to finish. You weren't watching me, Blake. I was I was celebrating for you know, New Zealand's very own Lydia Ko. She's she's in oft. She's Freddie charlton it. She's snookered it in. Yeah, so Lydia had, uh, Hannah and Lydia had a very similar shot there on the uh, 18th hole. And uh, I've actually done a bit of a different format for the YouTube video. Uh, put my own face in there and you can listen to me while you're watching uh, Lydia hit the shot. But basically, uh, Lydia's ball is hold, but she hit her, uh, her ball hit 
Hannah's ball that was at rest on the green. Now, Hannah needs to replace her ball. Uh, if she doesn't replace her ball, she gets a penalty under rule 14.7 for playing from a wrong place. Uh, but this is where it gets a little bit grey. The belief is that she didn't replace her ball because she was never told that her ball had moved. And at Sentosa, I've been there once. Uh, as you can see from the footage, the green goes a little bit uphill. Uh, bottom of the flag stick, uh, which is where Hannah's ball was right beside, um, sort of the view is obstructed by the bunker. And so the, possibly Hannah never saw it and possibly was never told about it. So just played it from where the ball had come to rest. And because she played it from the wrong place but didn't know, had no idea, uh, effectively she hasn't played from the wrong place. And you sort of covered this, or we covered this a couple of weeks ago on the episode uh, 38 when you play with Andy. Mm. I still struggle to to work out how she didn't know or how someone, she didn't get the message, hey, um, Hannah, your ball moved, you better put it a little bit over there. Um, did she disadvantage herself or was she did knock the ball a bit further away? No, I reckon I went from about two foot to about two foot. Yeah, okay. But it's obviously was in um, a different spot. It was south it was a south southwest putt and now it's a now it's a west putt. Yeah. Um so basically the same and, and uh, you know, pretty much a tap in, but I'm I'm like you, Roscoe, I'm blown away that no one thought to tell them. Um, you know, oh, you need to put your ball back. Uh, just yeah, uh, you know, if the if the reality was that someone did, and and I've got this wrong, and someone did tell her, and she put it back, um, then it's all good. But it's just an interesting situation if no one did tell her when you know they got the corporate marquees around there, but possibly um, they don't listen to the podcast and they don't know the rule. I can't believe that uh, every golfer in the world isn't listening to our podcast with the, the wittering that goes on, the public service announcements, the Ivers, the background bingos. How could you not get involved? Uh, yeah, anyway, so that's what happened. Uh, interesting the to see. Tourism New Zealand. Tourism New Zealand. Sure Tourism Victoria. Hey, we're just doing our PC, Blakey. We are just doing our PC. The bubble's opened. We've gone straight into talking about the bubble opening and New Zealand. Country Victoria needs a lift. You know, they got they everyone's copped a whack, so we're just trying to do our bit, mate. Tasmania, God's country down there, we're just trying to do our bit. So subscribe to the YouTube channel. It, this has been a bit of a YouTube channel promotional tour um, episode as well. But, um, you know. Well, just- if, if you're in America or UK and you, you know, get down on a bit of COVID, um, struggling, well, you know, you can come down here but, and stay in one of our hotels for two weeks, do the uh, – the quarantine, and then you can get out of here and live life like you're uh, you've got you've got freedom. You if know you, that uh, if, if you are New a golfer, sorry, go on. New Zealand is uh, voted or known as the most or one of the top five um, best countries in the world for feeling like you're free, like free, feeling like you've got freedom. Interesting. I can see exactly why, and um, is that. Post-COVID or is that before COVID or is that just all-encompassing COVID, New Zealand life you know, in general over the last 20 just, years? It was pre and probably will be post and it's just encompassing um, New Zealand life and just, you know, the government restrictions and uh, and everything. You can basically, you know, as long as you 
abide by a few of the rules and, and be respectful and uh, of your fellow man or fellow woman, um, then it, it feels like you're the most free in the world. As I said, I can't wait to get back across there now. But I did have some uh, commentary and some notes passed to me, messages passed to me on the weekend. You know, I posted some photos of uh Division One pennant final down at Peninsula Kingswood, and you know, congratulations to the Metro team that won that over Royal Melbourne. Came down to the nineteenth hole of the last match. Who else was going to win it? Lucas Michelle played at the Masters, played at the US Open last year. Master of Amateurs winner. Actually, gassed a little bit in the last couple of holes. You know, lost the last two to go back to square. Had to win up the nineteenth. They were three and a half all. Lucas uh, takes the match back up the first. Um, Pressure scenario, young fella hits it from the other team, hits a shank, hits it into the Mugumbi, hits a second ball, hits a shank, finds his first ball, knocks it to, no, takes unplayable, knocks it to his first, second, third to 20 feet, and then Lucas uh, rolls his up to about a foot, his second shot, and um, gets a birdie and gets a win. But um, back to the point I was making, I took some photos, and we're all standing pretty close together, and, and we did actually, a couple of us chatting there, think, you know, how lucky are we to be able to stand here so close watching this and the comments that I got was going, oh, geez, you know, different world to that you guys are living down there in, in Australia than what we're living up here in the States and in the UK, which I'm very, very thankful for. Uh, what I was going to say before is um, gone away from me at the moment. I'll just, I'll come back to it. I was going to say, I was going to make a very valid point. It mustn't be that valid if I can't remember it. Um, you were talking about New Zealand? What else? Uh, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, move on. You'll probably remember it. Um, no Ivers uh, reported to us from episode 38, but probably a ton come out of episode 39. Uh, background bingo, Roscoe. Um, talking about pennant finals, uh, your background bingo for episode 38 was... Did anyone get it? Uh, was there, I believe Andrew, Andrew Miller got it. Does anyone else play background bingo? Does the whole segment run for Andy Miller? It pretty much does. Uh, it was the view from the uh, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th green, looking back across the 13th green on the Peninsula Kingswood South Course. A great par three and a great complex of uh, wastelands and uh, bunkers looking across those two holes and back across to the practice fairway. Wonderful part of the course. I love taking a photograph of it there. I love playing it. And so, mine was... I, Andrew didn't quite get it, but then I gave him a hint and he got it. So mine was Norfolk Island, which is, I don't know how far, maybe uh, a guess would be about 2,000 k's off the coast of New South Wales. If you draw, draw a line directly off the coast of Port Macquarie, random fact that I happen to know, uh, and it's, I think it's about two hours in a plane or thereabouts or in a small plane, um, you can get to uh, to Norfolk Island. Oh, so it might only be about 300 k's then. I think it was about an hour flight. I can't remember. Uh, I have it actually. Have how, a, how fast does a plane fly, a small plane fly? Well, I don't know, but you will remember. 100, 150 k's an hour? That's well, a, there, is a, there is a golf course on that small island. Uh, which was on your background bingo. And uh, so this week's background bingo, very hard, you know, very hard to deduce where yours is. I'm going to tip it from your recent travels. Yeah, recent travels. So if you've been listening to the podcast and you're still listening to the background bingo, um, recent travels, have a guess. 
Okay, and mine? You got any got any hints there, Blakey? Oh, it's really hard to see when I'm looking on the uh, Well, it's yeah, near no. it's near some water. It's obviously on a little bit of a peninsula. I'm giving some hints here. It's uh from not my not recent travels, but from travels maybe two thousand and seventeen, eighteen. I would uh, say it's somewhere in G in Great Britain, isn't it? Nope, it's not in Great Britain. It's in Ireland. It's Ireland, so it's in Ireland, and it's on a peninsula, sticking out into that body of water. So there you go. There's, you might be able to zoom in on that little uh, stone there, the T marker there. I think it might be a T off on a path three, and no, maybe a path four coming back the way. I think oh, we, have, have a go. I think, uh, I think Nick, Nick Faldo had some interest in this course at some stage, and maybe buying it. I think he wanted to buy it. Talking about the golf rules question of the week thirty nine. Okay, is this a long one? I'm I'm reading the run sheet here. Okay, it is a long one. I, I you know we missed out on that. I know this is episode thirty nine, but we we had a break last week, so I thought I'd put in a bit of a difficult one for you to read. Okay, well I'll give it my best shot. Here we go. A group of four players having a good day until they get to the par 5 seventh hole. From the tee, player A and player B slice their balls into the right rough. Player C and player D hit OK down the middle of the fairway. The second shot, player B arrives in the right rough and plays a ball which he hits somewhat across the fairway to the rough on the left-hand side. Player A arrives and plays a ball from near where player B played his shot and hits down the right side of the fairway. Player C hits the second shot into the rough on the left-hand side of the fairway, similar place to where player B just hit his shot to. Player D hits his shot down the middle again. Third shot. Player B arrives in the left rough and hits a ball to the green. Player C, from a similar place in the left rough, hits a ball to the green. Player A arrives at his ball to play his third shot and announces, I've hit the wrong ball. At the green, when they hear player B, player A, player, I was doing so well too, at the green, when they hear player A call about hitting the wrong ball, I've hit the wrong ball, player B and player C proceed to the green, then mark and examine the balls they had played. Both player B and player C announce, We've hit the wrong ball too. Wow. Don't ask me to read that one again, Blake. I usually give it a rerun, but uh, if you get the answer to that, not only uh, you're a very astute rules person, you're more savant-like than, uh, than than anyone that I know because that's a good one. That That is a real doozy. You might have to type that out, Blakey, and put that in some sort of form where people can read it and, and go to work and, you know, if you get it right, you'll you'll get a, a high distinction in golf rulesology. Well, it'll be it'll be in the show notes and probably in the YouTube description as well, so um, they'll be able to read it. But I didn't mind the way that you uh, you spoke it out; it was well, quite good. Well, thanks for your approval. You're welcome. Appreciate that. I know that's why you're here. <laughs> Very good. Well, is that us? Are we done? Uh, yeah. Yep, no, that's uh, everything's going well. I'm not sure when uh, we'll get the next episode in. I'm uh, heading to the farm uh, next week, so I'll be up there for three weeks, uh, not milking cows, but uh, uh, feeding out hay and 
and doing those kind of things. So we'll try and get something uh, after I come back, I think. Um, they do have the internet up there, but I'm just not sure how good it is. Maybe maybe I can just do audio and uh, and put a uh, put a face on the. I mean, you know, audio for the podcast is good. It just doesn't look so good uh, without the video on the YouTube. I'm sure if there's a way you want to work it out, Blakey, you will. But what I do know is when you're on the farm, that means there's uh, beast uh, of, of the bovine or the sheep variety, and uh, that probably means a rerun of the uh, cow pat rules video. So you know, expect that you're going to make some of that sort of stuff again. Yeah, they won't be uh, Henry Peters under the card quality, but uh, they'll be nuts and bolts, uh, you know, bones of the uh, the rulings. Bones of the rules of golf. I think on that note, we'll leave it there. Go on, check out the uh, the merchandise, the hats, the t-shirts. You can get all of that. Uh, give Blakey a leg up here. Give the golf rules questions a leg up, and and buy a t-shirt. You can represent out there in golf land. All right. Until next time on the golf rules questions podcast, we look forward to listening uh, in again and tuning in again and uh, seeing you. Thank you wherever you choose to join us. See you again. Bye.